You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Well, yeah, we are continuing our study in the book of Romans, and um, uh, it's just been so rich already, the first four chapters, as we get into this next four chapters, uh, no less rich, just incredible treasure for us to, be, to, to see as we look at Romans 5, 1 through 11 today. Um, maybe to set our hearts and to get us thinking in the right direction this morning, I have a question to, to get us going. If you were to die today, where would you go? Do you know? Have you thought about that? Some people live like they're going to live forever. They forget the stat that one out of one people die. Every, every one of us is facing that question. Where will I go when I die? Sometimes we go to funerals, and I don't know if I've ever been to a funeral where I don't hear this said, Bob is in a better place. No matter what the person's belief system was beforehand, no matter uh, whether they believed there was something after death or not, that's what gets said. So the question is, what is the better place, and how do I get there? As believers, the text that we're going to be looking at this morning wants you to know that you can have a confidence in where you will go after you die. Sometimes, even with believers, when we ask the question, where will you go when you die, there's this like, well, I hope, I, 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 I think, but not often I know. Now, this confidence that we can have does not come from us, which the text will make very clear. But this confidence comes from who we're, we're trusting in. Not in ourselves, but in the one who says that when he saves, he saves fully. Throughout the text this morning, we're going to see that what he has done impacts what he is doing and what he will do. That his salvation is complete. And so this morning, I want you to know that you can know. Maybe you're here just because you're like visiting today and you're like, I'm not even sure why I'm here. I just said I would come. Um, and right now you're like, I, oh man, I really don't want to be here now. Um, but I would pray for you that you would be reminded that we all will live this earth at one point and that you do not know the day or the hour when you will leave. Rarely does it come when we expect, but it is coming. And that if you are not in Christ, that the text also tells us that you can know for sure that the wrath of God abides on you today. But that can change through Jesus Christ. So my prayer is for everyone here today. For the believer, that you would have renewed confidence and hope, and that by the time we're done here, you're like, I... 
my world is crazy, but I am rejoicing. I am rejoicing because I know it is well with my soul. And that if you're not yet in Christ, but even by the end of this service, you would be, that you would understand that you can be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Before we get into the text, though, let me pray for us, and then we'll study together. Lord God, we are so thankful for your word. Lord, we do believe that what you say is true. We believe that the Bible that we have today is not simply words written down by a bunch of men, but these words are from you. We see the unity of it from Genesis right through to Revelation. There is one message. Lord, we are so thankful today that we have the privilege of studying your word. We're so thankful that the majority in this room have the Holy Spirit living within them so that they might understand your truth, that they might know you. And God, we pray that as we consider these things, that, Lord, you would convict us of sin where conviction is needed, or that you would comfort where comfort is needed, and that, Lord, we would all leave here differently than what we came in because of your word, because of your faithfulness, because of our time of worship together. So, Lord, lead us and guide us now. Help this preacher to say what you want him to say. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, Romans 5, 1 to 11. If you have a Bible, look at it as we go through it. I want us to understand this is not my opinion. It is not some theological system. This is simply the words of God, and we want to submit to them. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though for perhaps a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. As you look at this text, it's one of those things where, like, if we, if we just understood where we've got to by the end of chapter 4, as we looked at the fact that we are justified by faith, I think everyone could say, hallelujah, glory to God, that is, that is enough. But it, as we look at the text, there's like, but that's not all. In, in that, you know, that's not all kind of phrase, it kind of reminds me of those infomercials, right? Look at this thing whatever it is, usually late at night when your defenses are down, right? These, these things like that will revolutionize your life are sold. 
And, and, and for sure, by looking at that, you would expect to pay $100 for sure. But today, guess what the price is going to be? You already know it, right? $19.99, right? But that's not all. We're going to throw in this other piece of junk with it, right? And then, and then like, it's even more than that. We're actually going to give you two of those, right? Like, is that not, that's what they do. And as I thought about this text, I'm like, <laughs> certainly not junk. But when we think about salvation, and as you're reading through this text, there is almost that expression of like, can this be true? Like it seems too good to be true. And Paul wants you to know it is true. And I want you to know just how great the salvation is that you have is in Jesus Christ. Look at these treasures. The first is that we have unthinkable peace. Unthinkable, why? Because how is it that you and I, wretched sinners, could ever have peace with a holy God? How is that even possible? Well, the text tells us here in verse 1 that we have it. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of us long for peace. Mankind longs for peace. We, we seek after it. I've seen a stat that, as far as they best they can tell, since the world has been here, as far as humanity goes, their stats say that 8% of the time the world has been at peace. 8%. What does that tell, you, tell us about ourselves, Right? I mean, let alone on a global basis. Think about the fact that we can barely get along in our own homes. And then with our neighbors, and then with our classmates, right? Like, peace is a thing that's hard to be found. Let alone to be able to have peace with God. But God has made a way that you and I can have peace with God. How did that come about? That it's because you've been justified by faith. When you and I came to to the Lord Jesus Christ and placed our faith in him, placed our trust in him, he declared you righteous. You were given Christ's righteousness at that moment. And he, in turn, took your sin upon himself and Christ on the cross paid your debt. He took your wrath upon himself. So the sin that separated us ever since Adam and Eve first sinned is now no longer separating us from him through Jesus Christ. And considering what the prophet said of Jesus coming, he is known as the Prince of Peace. We can know that now, today. You can have peace with God through Christ. There is no other way. If you've missed it, the, last, the first four chapters of Romans says this, you can't do it. You're helpless to be made right with God. And if we understand what the scriptures are telling us, we are at war with God apart from Christ. Romans 3, 10 through 12. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. No one on this earth does good, not even one. Romans 3.17, and the way of peace they have not known. 
of not knowing the way of peace, it is only through Christ that we can be made right with God. This peace is foundational to all else in our lives. Have you ever stopped and considered like, how important it is that you and I have been made right with the Lord of the universe? Like when you are right with him, then it doesn't matter the storms that come into your life because he's there with you in the storm. He's helping you through the storm. I remember, I don't know, I just must have had a look that people wanted to punch me. Um, but like 17, 18, I got picked on a whole lot, you know. Like, hey, you want to fight Peacock? You know, like, I'm like, what? Like, I, like what did I do? Right? Like, I have, no, I have no idea. I was really thankful for my friend Bill at the time. Because when Bill was with me, when they'd say that, they're like, hey, you got a problem with Peacock? You got a problem with me. So guess what? I didn't have to worry about fighting at that point. And he never had to as well, if you're wondering the rest of the story. But how much more so when you and I are in at peace with the God of the universe as he's watching over your life and you know him, you have peace with him. You are actually, as we're going to learn in Romans 8, like the treasures that are, like, are going to be unfolded unbelievable as we go through these chapters, but you have been adopted by him. Just a little preview. You've been adopted by him. You're his kid. And so whatever you're going through in life, know that you are at peace with him, and that's all that really matters. He will guide you through the times that you're going through. It's my prayer that every one of you this morning are at peace with him. But it's only through Jesus that you can be at peace with God. Do not be fooled. Do not think that you're a pretty good person and you and God are okay. If you do not have Christ, you do not have peace with God. The scriptures, as we're going to continue on, says that you're an enemy of his and he is an enemy of you. But praise God, through Christ we have peace with him. The second treasure we see is that we have unhindered access. Through him... We also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Grace, undeserved favor. In the context here, Saul says that it's the sphere of God's grace. Our privileged position of acceptance by Him. We have been accepted by God. Not only have we been accepted by Him, but Christ has led us into the throne room of God. We can come into the Holy of Holies. I mean, think about that. Think of all the places you can't get into on this earth. A lot of places where you have hindered access, right? But the most important place, they, we ought not to have access to, we have access through Jesus Christ. Even think about it in the Old Testament. The temple, the Holy of Holies, the place where the presence of God was. How often could you go into the Holy of Holies? Once a year. Who could go in? The high priest. After doing all the proper 
things in order for him to enter the proper sacrifices that were needed in order to come into the, the presence of God. If they did not do that right, then he would die. But because you know Jesus Christ, we now have unhindered access to the throne room of God. Note that it says, in which we stand. Not just once. Like even that would be incredible. To be able to come before the throne one time. Like that would be amazing. But now we can come at any moment of any day before the throne room of God. And I pray this morning that you and I would be awakened to how amazing that is. Because I think sometimes you and I are like, yeah, 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 for sure. When we pray, we get to come before him. That's incredible, guys. Unbelievable. Stott says this, justified believers enjoy a blessing far greater than a periodic approach to God or an occasional audience with the king. We are privileged to live in the temple and in the palace. We can live there. The perfect tenses express this. Our relationship with God into which justification has brought us is not sporadic but continuous. Not precarious but secure. We do not fall in and out of grace like courtiers who may find themselves in and out of favor with the sovereign or politicians with the public. No, we stand in it for that is the nature of grace. Nothing can separate us from God's love. And so... We have peace with God now and forevermore. We have access to the throne room both now and forevermore. There's no standing in lines. There's no registering to, to be able to come in, right? Like there's none of that. There's no having to go through another person. Do you guys understand that? I don't need to pray to someone else and then for them to take that to the king. I can go to the king through Jesus Christ. It's a waste of time to pray to anyone other than the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what the Bible teaches us. So, pretty good so far, huh? That's not it. There's more. Unashamed hope. Unashamed hope. You see, this as it continues in verse 2. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice also in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. I love how that ends. We have a hope that's not hopeless. We have a hope that is certain. He wants you to understand that your hope in Christ this morning will have its end. You can be certain of it. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What does this phrase mean? Well, first of all, think about this. It says in Romans 3.23 that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have not been who he created us to be. But praise God, through Jesus Christ, we will one day be who we had ought to have been. That work will be completed. Schreiner says this, believers are certain now that the glory Adam lost will be restored to them. Indeed, the glory restored to believers will be even greater than the glory Adam once had, for believers will be conformed to the second Adam, Jesus Christ. 
Listen to what it says in 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall, be, we shall see him as he is. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who have been justified, past tense, who are being sanctified, present tense, we are confident that one day we will be glorified. That one day we will be like Christ. And we will reflect his glory as we ought. Do you believe that this morning? Do you rejoice in that hope this morning? Knowing that that is your reality? It's not something like, oh, I hope. I think. No, it's I know. How do you know? That brings us to the second point of rejoicing. Rejoicing and suffering. What? What does that mean? How many of you, that's your first reaction of suffering? Rejoicing. Anyone? It's not. If you say that, you're like, yeah. Our flesh, when suffering comes, it's like, get rid of it. Get it away. I don't want it. It's like, please. And if that suffering continues, what do we do? In our flesh, we grumble, we complain. God, I thought you were in control. Why is this happening? He is in control. And we can rejoice, not because of whatever pain you're going through. Like there, there should be still weeping. There should still be mourning when there ought to be weeping and mourning. When you lose someone you love, you ought to mourn. You ought to weep. You, it's not just like, ha, ha. Like, but we're supposed to, as Christians, we're supposed to be rejoicing. Like that, that's just fake. It's not real. There's something deeper going on. This is what he's talking about. The rejoicing is not simply in the suffering. It's the bigger picture because the suffering is going to lead to something. It leads to endurance. When you're training for something, it produces endurance, right? You're, anybody ever trained for anything? I... I some of you know, I, I ran a half marathon two years ago. not exactly sure why we thought that was a good idea, but we decided we were going to do it. And I knew that if I was actually going to cross the finish line, I couldn't just show up, right? That I would have to do some training. And so I trained. And pretty much all of it I didn't like, just going to be honest. Like, there was never that point where I was like, oh, I'm so, this is awesome, like, like, Every, almost every day, I was like, oh, I didn't know I could hurt in that place now as a result of the same thing I've been doing over and over again. But, but what happened? I was able to run a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further, so that I was able to complete the race. So too it is in our Christian walk. When we go through things, as we go through suffering, God helps us endure. He helps us to grow in Him. In those times when life is not going as you had hoped or as you had planned, it challenges us to look to Him, to look to the Lord, to place your trust in Him. Do you still worship Him? Do you still trust Him 
when life is hard. Of course, we all go through suffering. You're either in a trial, just came out of a trial, or about to go in a trial. It's kind of how life works. Trials of all different kinds. But through the trials, God is at work. And he's strengthening your faith through it. Stop says this, suffering is the one and only path to glory. It was for Christ, and so it is for Christians. As Paul will soon express that we are co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. We should not be surprised at suffering. God has told us it would come. Of course, we get a little extra suffering in this world as a result of being followers of Christ. The Bible tells us that you will be persecuted for following Him. And I believe, unless the Lord changes things, and I'm a big fan of that, that would be okay, but unless the Lord changes, I think that we're going to see increasing persecution against us for the sake of the name of Christ. But through it, be encouraged. Rejoice. Why? Because God's bringing about endurance through that. And not only endurance, but it, what? It produces character. Before I forget, speaking of endurance, I like this quote by Spurgeon. It is by perseverance that the snail reached the ark. Right? And that's a great word picture, isn't it? It's a, it's a day in and day out of trusting in the Lord. Day in and day out. And sometimes it seems really hard. And it seems like the road is very long until we will get to see Him. But day by day, He's helping you endure. He's the one who's at work in, do, in doing that. And then, as I said already, it's going to produce a character in you. At 18, 20, we, we have a, hopefully we have a passion for Christ. You know, you're, you're going you're gonna to see the whole world saved. You know, you're, you're just, you're, you're excited. I, I pray that that's where you find yourself today. And, 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 and you kind of look down at the, the older people and are like, come on, let's go. You know, and, and, and that's why we put you together, right? The 20s and the 50-year-olds, like in our small group, so that you would spar, um, help one another out. Yeah, okay. But storms will come into your life. And for that 20-year-old, you need to see that 40-year-old, that 50-year-old, that 70-year-old, that they remained in the faith. Let's be honest. The, as we look to people who are older, we often envy them. We are often attracted to them because of the character that we see in their life. That character came about by going through a lot of trials in their life. By enduring through trial, by continually looking to the Lord in the difficult times. By understanding that the Lord's love is steadfast, that, that He is faithful through these times. And God has carried you through it and is continually changing you through that. It's in the storms of life that we cling to the rock. And as we do so, He makes us more and more like Him. 
2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He who began the good work in you is going to complete it. He's working on you even now. I love our, uh, our small group time this last week. Ray's like, we're not the same people we were five years ago. Like, isn't that a great statement? Not because of us, but because of God. And even in just our small group, as I thought about that, and I thought about each one of us, we've all been through some pretty big trials. We've been through some suffering together. But together, we've walked through it, and God has been gracious and merciful, and He's changing us. He's making us more and more like Him. This is why we rejoice. Because in the midst of it all, as Romans 8.28 reminds us, that He is working all things together for good for those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. And that good is this, verse 29, he is making you more and more like Jesus through these things. And so in the difficulty, we may mourn, we may lament, but we also rejoice, knowing that God is at work. And you'll be able to say, it is well with my soul. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. If we haven't quite understood this text, he kind of sums it up for us. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now remember who's writing this. Paul. Light and momentary affliction, shipwrecks, imprisonment, beatings, whippings, right? People abandoning him. Light and momentary affliction. These small things kind of makes us kind of like, oh, okay, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't complain about the pandemic, you know. Um, 